Welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff, the A&M Consumer and Retail Group, and Attentive. The OmniTalk Fast Five is the podcast that we hope each week makes you feel a little smarter and most importantly, a little happier too. It is November 18th, 2021. I'm your host, Anne Mazinga. And I am Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omnichannel retailing this week. With us on the show, we have two very special guests. We, we have re- returning guest, Chad Lusk, and first-timer, Abhinav Chandra from the AM Consumer and Retail Group. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Great to be back. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Good to have you guys. Um, why don't you go ahead and Chad and uh, Abhinav introduce yourselves? Chad, let's start with you. Give our audiences a little bit of background on who you are and what you do at AM. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I joined AM Consumer and Retail Group about a little over a year ago. Um, and, uh, and, and help lead uh, commercial transformation efforts for, uh, for our clients. Uh, prior to a and uh, multi-time chief strategy officer and chief marketing officer in CPG and retail with a focus on consumer-led growth strategy, marketing, customer experience, redesign, uh, and new product development. We have quite a few questions that you're going to need to lend your expertise to today, Chad. I'm excited to have you. And Abhinav, you're a first timer. Tell us about you, your background in AM. All right. Uh, my name is Abhinav. Uh, I'm a managing director in uh, Alvarez and Marsal's Consumer and Retail Group San Francisco's of office. Um, I, like Chad, I lead a lot of transformations, more focused on the digital side at AM. Uh, prior to AM, my background over the last 15 years is a lot in retail. Uh, I was at McKinsey and Company. I was an associate partner in their retail and consumer practice. So worked with a lot of retailers across a lot of different functional topics. And then I was at Amazon. Uh, I ran their women's clothing business uh, for two and a half years. And then I was head of customer experience worldwide. Uh, I did that for two and a half years. Excited to be part of the conversation today. Awesome. And this is my favorite show every month. Because I love having these guys on because yeah. it challenges our thinking. But the best part is we get to put AM on the spot because they get to do it to us every week. And Chad always busts my hump with these really tough questions. So I cannot wait to put him on the spot today. Chad, are you ready for that? Uh, I don't know if I'm ever actually ready for it. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been probably about five or six months since I've been on here. So, uh, yeah. so I'm kind of prepared, but, but the seat is just as hot now as it was at that time. Yeah. Yeah, and last time I think you had antitrust. You had to comment on antitrust, if I'm not yes. mistaken. So that was Chris, a, that you, was, you that was a it, tall order. Yeah, you called it the hardest question you've ever had on the show. So that <laughs> if, was I still think that's one of the top. Yeah, oh, for, for sure. sure it was. For sure it was. Um, so you guys, we're going to talk about quite a few things today. Um, we had some late breaking Amazon news this morning. We were wondering, like, where is the Amazon news this week? Right, there was we no Amazon news stories this week. together. Yeah. But Amazon announced this morning that uh, Sainsbury's, it, their High Holborn uh, store, their pocket store, it's so cute, yeah. um, is going to be uh, licensing the Amazon Just Walk, Techno- Just Walk Out Technology Tech for their store. And Starbucks and Amazon are partnering up. They're opening a store that's pickup only with the Amazon Go store 
connected to it in Manhattan. So we have to cover that one next week on the Wednesday edition. Yeah, we literally just found out about this like yeah. 30 minutes ago, yeah. everyone. So yeah, we will come to you live. Actually, our show next week too. Mark your calendars. Our show next week is actually going to debut on Wednesday in advance of Black Friday too. So we're going to hit Pro- all these yeah. Amazon programming stories. Notes. Yeah, programming notes. Yes. We're going to hit all these stories next week. But we will definitely come back to that because that is big, big news. But this week, and we got some great headlines. We do. We're going to talk about Albertsons launching its own media network, a whole host of new features from Instacart, Gettier launching in Chicago, GoPuff's new partnership with Chase. But first, we are going to take off with headline number one, and that is that Casper Sleep announced on Monday that it will be taken private by Duration Capital Management in a deal that values the mattress maker at roughly nine, a 94% premium to Friday's closing price. So the transaction is expected to close in the first quarter of 2022. And as part of the deal, founder and CEO Philip Krim is out to be replaced by their current chief operating officer, wonderful woman, Emily Orell. Uh, she will be their new CEO. Chad, let's go to you first on this one. What are your thoughts here? It's been making a lot of headlines this week. So first, uh, it goes to show that the boring old business fundamentals and metrics of things like cash and profit actually matter. <laughs> That's the story. Uh, I mean, this is this is a company that was once valued, perhaps mistakenly, at one point one billion IPO at around fourteen a share, uh, and this acquisition is valued at six ninety a share or, or sub three hundred million dollars in value, yeah. and it's a two-year turn at being public, right? So so in a way, this had to be done. Um, they needed to stem some of the losses felt by their private market investors, even if it didn't make them whole, while, and perhaps most importantly, taking the company out of the public eye. Um, now, what's interesting about this is Casper never really had a lack of consumer resonance. They solved for a fundamental flaw in the consumer purchase journey and took the complexity, confusion, and friction out of mattress shopping. It's never been a pleasant experience. They marketed it very well, um, and they didn't have an issue with growth. But what it shows is that a great consumer-oriented business model doesn't always make for a great shareholder-oriented business model. And that's the lesson that I feel that all these young, disruptive, fast-growing, what we call DTC brands need to see. Um, because are there really even DTC brands? I mean, look at Warby Parker, half of its revenue comes from stores. Look at Harry's, you find it across major grocery and drug chains. DTC is a channel and Casper learned that the hard way, obviously fumbling with the way they did direct. And in a way they got disrupted by the very business model they sought to disrupt, which was wholesale mattress buying. So uh, path to profitability, you, you can't hide from that. I love what you just said there, Chad. They got disrupted by the model they just sought to disrupt. That is so awesome because that that was kind of my take on this whole thing too. Like I think the the, the expression I use is it's finally got revealed that the emperor has no clothes, you know, in terms of what was going on here. And I always, I've shared this anecdote before on the show and you've probably remembered it, but I can remember when Casper came, you know, into being and mm-hmm. I was running home furnishings on target.com at the time and we were selling box mattresses, but no one was buying them. Like, and then all of a sudden this company starts selling box mattresses and I'm going, what the hell? We've been selling these things forever. It's the same damn thing. And yeah. these guys have just marketed it and branded it. And they've kind of convinced everyone that there's this friction in the buying process. But at the end of the day, there's not really anything to it. It's kind of an inferior product, honestly, if you want my opinion. I know Anne may disagree with that, but it's kind of an inferior product to the traditional box spring mattress. And I think to your point, it shows the fallacies of going direct when wholesale 
in this category is really the experience customers want because you want to be able to try out your mattresses on against up against a lot of different other options for the most part and going direct, having your own stores instead just doesn't make sense in the long run. So yeah, I thought the way you said that was brilliant. Abhinav, what about you? Do you have any thoughts on this one too you throw in? Yeah, I will, I will build a little bit on uh, what Chad has said. Um, and I'm going to talk in terms of three buckets. One is the, the financials, which Chad was referring to. The second one is the business, mo- uh, business model. And the third one is uh, some operational things. So on the business model, uh, on the financial front, I mean, liquidity is an issue they've got. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they made what, in the last quarter, they made 156 million in revenue. Revenue was up 28.6% or something like that. And then their profitability, net margin, they made a loss of 25 million, which increased from last year, which is mind boggling and kind of partly explained by the fact that they are facing supply chain issues as well. But it is not sustainable. The cash on hand went down from 90 million to about 40 million. So liquidity issues there. And so that's why the company had to go and and get funding from outside. Uh, I mean, it is needed. The second part is around the business model. And in the DTC world, mattress is a unique category because if you think about mattress, you don't buy mattress every two months. You buy mattress every few years, if that, if at that. Mm -hmm. And so every time you have to acquire a customer on the DTC side, it's not like there's huge amount of customer loyalty that is sitting around there. So that's part number one. Part number two is if you think about the purchase price, it's an expensive product. It's not a $5, $15, $20 t-shirt you are buying. And so, yes, there is going to be a set of people who are going to buy DTC, but but as you said earlier, you would want to see the product, feel the product before you buy it. So you have to be in the wholesale or in the retail channel. So they themselves now have I think 70 plus stores and they are selling with target and the revenue that they have in their, I think wholesale channel is actually higher. So they are moving back to the point that Chad made, they're getting disrupted by the model that they were disrupting. And the third piece around this is that as they are moving into the retail channel where they are selling through partners, their margins are lower. So they are growing in a lower margin business. So they are already making a loss. And then the portion that is actually growing fastest is the one which is even less margin or where they will make more loss. So, I mean, it is needed. I don't think they are out of the woods, but that takes me back to the operational side of things. And I think the private, so then why did private equity buy it at, at the end of it, if the picture is so bleak? My point of view is that if I look at their cost structure, Something is wrong between either the pricing or the cost of manufacturing the product because their gross margins are just so low. Mm-hmm. And my hypothesis is that the PE firm has looked at it and he's, they have said, okay, we'll take them out of the public eye. We are going to tighten the belt and get operationally right and get the margin right. Going back to Chad's point, you have to make a profit. And I think that they see a path where they can reduce their cost or they may be able to increase the price to get the profitability right. I think that's why they have gone down this route, uh, but the jury's out. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think your last point's a really good one too, in that, you know, this is a this is something that 
all DTC companies should be paying attention to, not just mattress companies. And there's not going to be a private equity firm that's going to come out to save your brand either. I think that there is there is some validity to the the Casper model, the business model, once the belt gets tightened a little bit, to your point, Avanov. But I think everyone needs to be paying attention to this. And the D2C players need to be thinking about D2C as a means to an end. Like this, you need to get your big audience around you. You need to be able to then take all the information, see where you're actually selling your product so that you know when you are going to go into stores, if you are going to go into a wholesale relationship, you can go into those meetings and say, look, I know I already have an audience in these places. And this is like the value of that D to C upfront getting into market. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'll move on to the headline two here too, but I think the other part I'd be, I would bring into this equation as the merchant is like a mattress in a box on a shelf at wholesale, like at a target or a Walmart, it's just not that appealing of a product. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me wonder, you know, how much staying power there is to this, especially with so much competition in this space, which I think goes to the point Abhinav was bringing up in terms of the margin pressure too. There's a lot of people offering the same type of thing now. All right, Ann, well, you, are you paying attention? Yes. Chad, are you paying attention? Abhinav, you guys paying attention? Yes, I hope I so. Yes. I hope so. Because this next headline is brought to you by Attentive. And if you want to learn more and see why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage customers and drive revenue, well, then you should visit attentivemobile.com slash Omnitalk to request your demo today. All right. Headline number two, according to the fabulous Jeff Wells of Grocery Dive, Albertsons plans to join the club and launch its own media network. The new what Albertsons is calling the Albertsons Media Collective. Yeah, and you love anything with the word collective. Will be led by Christy Argelon, who previously led Target's Roundell ad business, and they will begin running ad campaigns on February 27th, 2022. That is a very specific date, by the way. I didn't catch that before. Yes. And as part of the announcement, it also appears that Albertsons is winding down its long-held partnership with the media firm Quotient. All right, Chad, back to you on this one. We heard from Microsoft this week in an event we did on LinkedIn that retailers forming their own media networks is one of the biggest tech trends for 2022. One, do you agree with that statement? And two, what are your thoughts on this announcement? Well, uh, so first of all, yes, it it is a hot trend. Um, Just recently, Kroger launched its own private programmatic advertising marketplace. I I think it's a really good move from Albertsons. uh, And the reason's twofold. Number one, it serves as a high ROI profit center for Albertsons, period. Uh, but number two, it, it enables CPG brands to better connect with consumers through your platform, your brand and your own channels, right? So you're the facilitating entity and thus you become a more important retailer and develop stronger connections with the brands. Uh, now, you know, in my CMO of, of CPG experience, looking at this through the brand lens as well. This is really good news for brands too. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. I, I just recently did an interview with, with Retail Dive on holiday print catalogs as a <laughs> marketing tool compared to digital yeah. and in particular social advertising. Very different, obviously, in terms of where that conversation went, but there is a common theme there. And, and it's around social advertising channels continue to get more expensive as large and emerging brands flood the channel, the Apple iOS changes earlier this year that allow users to opt out of in-data collection, in-app data collection basically takes retargeting off the table. It hurts ad measurement and attribution reporting. Uh, brand marketers have long been looking for ways to serve t- 
targeted ads to consumers closer to the point of purchase and further down the marketing funnel. And it's actually hard to beat this, especially while these other, you know, traditional, right. traditional, but you know, uh, high demand advertising places like like Facebook and all uh, continue to get uh, more expensive, and and folks are looking to diversify. So I think this is a a, a great uh, aspect for both sides, Albertsons uh, as well as brands. Yeah, and what do you think? I mean, you you've you've had a close relationship with some people at Albertsons here over the last year to two years. What's yeah? What, what are you thinking? Well, of I mean, I immediately thought of what Chris Rupp, the chief digital and customer officer of Albertsons, said at grocery shop, and that was that Albertsons is not a technology company. They trust partners to help them, but they are bringing in their they're going to develop their own retail media yeah. network, which I think says a lot. It's not something that's worth farming out to somebody like a quotient anymore. And I think that, you know, Chad, you touched on it too. Like there's a lot of retailers that are out there doing this and they, the, the, the retailers themselves, they've been bringing in the media networks are bringing in like a billion dollars and they just haven't been given the attention and the love that they deserve yet. And I think now it's finally coming out that, you know, this is a real opportunity for brand or for brands and retailers for that CPG and retailer relationship. And now it's really going to bring the the ROI as they start to expand into instant delivery or other categories that are going to need to be funded by something. So I think this is full of potential it's just not like a sexy thing to talk about so i think it's been yeah although although i would argue i think it's becoming more sexy i think it really is like maybe we're bringing sexy back to the retail ad media network do you like that i just got a a, a music reference but um but no i mean i then and the reason i say that is we actually are going to be doing a podcast in a few weeks with a company called c value which is all about helping retail companies form their own media networks and as I was prepping that interview with Pearl Lieberman of C-Value, um, who's in, the, in charge of their marketing, she said something really interesting to me that has stuck with me. And then I listened to the Microsoft conversation earlier this week, too, and what you and Chad were just talking about. And she said, every brand in the digital age is its own media network already. They just don't know it or have the skills to execute it. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really powerful statement to encapsulate where I think the future is headed. And I can't wait to get her behind the mic, share, share what she has to say more about this with the OmniTalk audience, because I think there's something to that statement that's really powerful. But yeah. Abhinav, let's go to you for the last word here. What do you think? Uh, I agree with all that has been said. I've seen this journey at Amazon. Yeah, uh, they were the first ones who dived into it. I think they represent today what maybe more than 10% of all digital ad spend. Uh, and five or six years ago, it was almost zero. Uh, and so in a very short period of time, they built it, uh, built it up. Uh, but to your guy's point, they are a technology company and they have invested heavily. They've built it in-house. Uh, I've seen the journey on how clunky it was when it started, which always is the case. Uh, but now how sophisticated and easy to use it has gotten uh, and, and brands are using it left and right. I think they made $6 billion or something yeah. in the mm-hmm. advertising uh, space. So it's the right thing to do. And everyone who has traffic coming onto their website or their properties or apps should definitely leverage this. The question is execution. Yeah. And that's an important. Uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say that's an important statistic for Amazon too. Like Gardner has said that advertising networks will be $50 billion annually for mm-hmm. retailers, which is an astounding figure. Like if you put that in terms of like 
the raw dollars that retailers do on an annual basis in the U.S. That would rank them as the 13th <laughs> right. largest yeah, retailer that. in the U.S. So yeah. That's how much money is going to be flowing into this space. All right. Well, let's roll on to headline number three. Uh, Instacart has introduced a number of new ways to help shoppers save on groceries. So starting this week, they announced they have rolled out three new features. One, a new deals tab. Who doesn't love a deal? Deal. Yeah. 5% credit back on pickup orders and a new dollar store mm. hub that's a combination of multiple dollar store retailers. Yes. Abhinav, let's go to you first. Do you Are you liking this move from Instacart? What do you think? Uh, I, I think I'm liking it. Uh, the, the, the impact uh, to be seen. Uh, okay. And so two buckets again here. One is around uh, delivery and pickup. Uh, and the other one is launching features to get a certain segment of shoppers to shop more with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, the, on the segment about uh, the delivery piece, I th- they are incentivizing people to come and pick up. I think there are two things to, uh, what it highlights is that the delivery business, especially in the grocery, and when you are talking quick commerce and uh, which means faster delivery, the, it is costly uh, and the more they can do for the customers to come and pick it up, this, I mean, it significantly lowers their cost, significantly. Um, I, so for example, if a retailer is partnered with, I'm just giving you an example, if a retailer partners with DoorDash and DoorDash has to do the delivery, DoorDash is charging them $8 per delivery. Yeah. Uh, right. And so if you can cut that out by giving 5% off, why not? I mean, so right. that's one, one, type of, one type of thing that they are doing. So I like it. Now, how many of their customers are actually going to go and pick up because their whole premise is that it is convenience and we will deliver it to you? I, I will wait and see on that yeah. front. They are trying yeah. to incentivize that, but I will wait and see on that front. On the second front around the dollar, uh, the, dollar making it, the, yeah. the dollar store hub as well as the deals tab, I mean, they are basically replicating things that Amazon did many, many years ago. They have the today's deal tab, which is very heavily trafficked. Uh, and then they also, uh, and also I think not just Amazon, but there is a segment of shoppers that is always looking for deals. Uh, there's a specific segment of shoppers that is looking for dollar, uh, dollar type product. And so making it easier to find, these are some of the best practices. It will help them for sure, but Will the impact be gigantic? Probably not. Yeah, interesting. I see. I'm going to go the opposite view here. I don't. I'm curious what you guys think. Yeah, like, I, I kind of hear it. I kind of disagree a little bit. I I actually think these moves feel a little bit desperate. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I do. It doesn't for, look good on you, Instacart. I, it doesn't actually. And I and the one I point to specifically is the one that Abhinav pointed to in the beginning, which is the five percent credit back on pickup orders. That's the one that has me the most alarmed. And I give two reasons for that. I think number one, I think it shows that. Retailers offering pickup is now a threat to their business, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a cheaper option. Oh, Chad looks like he's liking this. Um, and then the second thing I'd say, it also worries me about the lack of transparency that's going to emerge around Instacart's pricing. that could become apparent to customers over time mm-hmm. as retailers move to more direct relationships with their grocers where they can just go get pickup from them themselves. So I think this smacks of like, just being desperate and like still trying to figure out where do they fit in this landscape. But Chad, you're, you're chopping at the bit, man. Go. What do you think? I, I, yeah. I, Chris, I love, I love what you're saying here. So like just at the, at the top, like this, 
this headline bothered me just from the start, <laughs> Did right? It? Like, oh, oh uh, Instacart offers new ways for consumers to save money as if they've been doing that all along, right? Yeah. Like, right. you know, to me, this felt like a classic, like retail pricing up and marking down to make consumers psychologically feel as if they're getting value. Like Instacart inherently is more expensive to me, like enough yeah. so that the convenience of what they provide or the experience it's quote, saving me from mm -hmm. um joey triviani right uh, nice uh, isn't enough to create traction in my household at least you know so that's that's an n of one i guess and when i look at these components like the five percent credit on pickup like i could get excited about that because it actually saves me versus my direct with grocer experience but you know, you have to be an Instacart Express member and, yeah. you know, I don't know what that cost-benefit trade-off would yeah. be for folks. But, like, the dollar store browsing and the deal tabs, I mean, I already have the opportunity to wade through thousands of offers through the Grocers app or Ibotta and, and so on here. So, so, personally, I didn't get too excited about kind of the value from a consumer standpoint. But then, Chris, I, I love what you were saying in terms of, like, well, what does this mean? What's driving this? And, like, maybe my N isn't one, right? Maybe Instacart is struggling with the cost it's charging for this delivery convenience that just isn't as dominant over the retailer pickup options. And so I had, I had a similar thought where that either means they're facing threats from grocers on pickup or they're just inherently, as Abhinav was talking about, trying to improve their own business model economics by funding more pickup versus delivery. Yeah. I mean, look who's, look who's running this place. Now you guys, we have X Facebook people running Instacart. And so what I'm, marketers, what I right? think yeah. this is doing is just how do we easily get as many people on the Instacart platform as we possibly can. And, you know, they're throwing out like textbook things. We've yeah. got dollar store deals. We've got 5% yeah. back, like all the old tricks they're throwing out here to just get more customers on the platform. And I think like hoping that, you know, because of their backgrounds at Facebook and the way that they run things, that they're going to start to make more money from ad revenue to cover some of the costs that you guys have all been talking about for the, the cost of these tremendous delivery fees. I mean, yeah, I, I, it still just comes back to me though, especially everything that's happened in the pandemic. Like what is Instacart going to be when it grows up, Right. you know, and the, and the retailers try to take hold of these relationships for pickup and for delivery, which, yeah. you know, is coming. So, so what is Instacart going to be? I, we'll leave it there, but I don't, I don't think we have a good answer to that. And I don't think the, the leadership has really shown what that plan is to the public yet. Maybe they have internally. All right, let's go to headline let's number four. It. 10 minute or less Turkish delivery startup Gitir is entering the Chicago market. According to Chain Storage, the company offers approximately 1,500 everyday items, including chocolate, water, dairy, cleaning materials, snack chips, and pet foods. Six things I want together in my delivery. The planned initial Chicago coverage area ranges from Rogers Park to Chinatown and from the lakefront to Logan Square with plans of further expansion throughout the city down the line. Now, Chad, as our resident Chicagoan, I think that's how you say that. Uh, your, your boots on the ground right now, Chad. Tell us what's happening with Get Here. Thank you for saving me on that one, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, reporting exactly. live let's go to let's go to chad live in in chicago area well actually i want to i actually i actually wanted to i wanted to go a little bit deeper on this one and too because i want i want chad this is where i'm coming for chad because he gets me every week i want uh, you guys to put the consumer and retail group in your moniker on this one and because i want to know what are you guys advising retailers yeah. and cpgs when it comes to the instant delivery trend boom 
All right. Well, um, so, and I, you know, I, despite as expansive as this sound from the lakefront to Logan Square, unfortunately, my <laughs> Chicago suburban residence doesn't fall within the Gatier limits here. Okay. But, uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll have some friends and relatives. Truth and reporting. And, uh, yes. And, and cycle, cycle back. By the way, did you know that Gatier means bring? I, I thought that was ah, actually that's cool. I didn't kind know of cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I sort of, I sort of, I sort of like that. Um, so listen, I, ultra fast 15 minute delivery. Like it's not new. We've been talking a lot about them. Yeah. Um, these guys were actually founded. I, I was looking them up yesterday. They were founded six years ago. They raised a billion dollars this year. Like they're valued at over seven and a half billion. Um, that number floored me. It's kind of half of what GoPuff is right now at, at 15 billion. Um, I guess, Chris, to your question in terms of, you know, how are we, how are we advising folks here? Like yeah. reference Casper story, right? So, yeah. so to me, this is a useful service with great consumer appeal, provides a really compelling consumer inspired value proposition and business model, like, like no question. But again, I'll go back to path to profitability. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, in a way it's harder than Casper, right? So you actually have a chance to differentiate with mattresses. How do you differentiate here, right? And if you can't differentiate, you can't profit. Um, you know, dark stores by nature, like mm -hmm. products are comparable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's going to be a long while before anyone gets scale here. Mm -hmm. Until then, it kind of mm -hmm. seems like a land grab to mm -hmm. build customer bases quickly in hopes of what being acquired as part of a roll-up strategy that'll build to scale. So I think, you know, as we flash forward, you know, all these players coming in, we see some element of, of consolidation eventually happening in the marketplace. I would just really be careful uh, as, as an entity here in this space in terms of using that as, you know, kind of an, an end game in hopes of, of, of acquisition if there's not profitability in the business model. That makes sense to me when you're looking at the business model of Gatier against like a GoPuff or something like that, or, you know, the, the space in general. But one of the, the one, one point I wanted to ask you specifically with the question was, you know, how do you, as a CPG, because I know Anne has a lot of thoughts on this too. How would you look at this rising trend in instant delivery? And, you know, what are you guys telling your clients there, you know, as well in terms of how they should think about this space? Like, should they be investing more of their eggs in this basket or, you know, pulling away from it? Like, how should they be looking at it? Should they be looking at it in a different way to kind of unlock new ways to connect with their consumers? How do you guys think about that? Yeah, so so as a, as a, as a CPG, yeah, I, I take a different lens and, mm -hmm. and we've been advising folks and, and in, in my previous roles, I've definitely gotten on board with this trend, right? I've had the opportunity okay. to work in, uh, in a couple um, snacking, uh, indulgent, immediate consumption type categories before. And one of the challenges around immediate consumption in e-commerce is the long kind of cycle time between craving, if you will, click, and then the ability to satisfy that, right? right? And so as a result, while trends have been growing quite well, in more kind of immediate consumption, food-based categories, e-commerce is still a very, very small percentage of total. With the GoPuffs and the Gateers and you know all these guys kind of coming in, when you're talking about 10 and 15 minute gratification of that consumption occasion, um, it is absolutely a place to be. So okay. from, a, from an advertising platform and where CPGs need to be among the assortment, 
Um, yes, definitively do not ignore the trend. Wow. Okay. That's, that's, I'm really glad I asked. I'm really glad I put you on yeah. the spot with that. Cause I was wondering what your take was, especially given your background in the space. Cause it, it lines up exactly. So that's cool. And what do you think with based on what Chad just said? Yeah. I mean, I think that's great news for the CPGs and brands who are listening because I've been, you know, in judging foods and CPG competitions the last few months. And this is just not even on their radar. Everybody's still so focused about getting into those mass retailers. They're not even thinking about like, you can go sign up to be on GoPuff tomorrow. Like you can submit your product and then, you know, start that process right away. And again, going back to what I was saying earlier, get a sense of where your customers are, who's buying your product, who's interested in the, especially if you're like a, a click to mouth, you know, quick set, uh, satisfaction product, you know, like a candy or something like that. Like you have a really quick understanding of where your customers are that you can then bring into a target or a Walmart or CVS or Walgreens. Be like, look, I'm delivering like crazy to all these people within, you know, a five mile radius of your store, bring me in. And, and it's just not being, not being given the attention that I think it yeah. deserves right now. I think you just developed a new category of product, the quick to mouth product category. Click and, to mouth. Oh, click to mouth. Okay. I think that's I got good. that from Chad. I did, feel like, yeah, did, I feel like we've talked did, about did, this before about gorillas. Mouth. Maybe there's yeah. like some, I'm, I'm not saying it yeah, right. right. It's, no. it's much more eloquent no, I, than click to mouth. Click to mouth. Yeah. All right. Off and off on that, on that follow. Do you, do you have any further thoughts to add on this one? Uh, yes, I will just build on some of the things that you guys have said. Um, in in terms of this um, this uh, rapid delivery or fifteen minute delivery space that we have, first of all, this insane amount of competition. Get in, yeah. go puff, uh, Joker, uh, bike, fridge, no, no more. I mean, there are lots of companies. Yeah. Uh, and I think I read somewhere yesterday as I was preparing for this that it was it is supposed to be. 20 billion dollars in sales um this whole space in 2022 um so it is a big space and all what you guys have said if you are a cpg company for sure you should think about it Mm -hmm. um the point that i want to make here is that the winner in this space is going to be a company that gets operations right uh that is going to be the distinct advantage it is the same thing that amazon amazon says it's a tech company yep. uh, or it's a retailer. It is not. It is a supply chain company. That's yep. what it is. Those guys know how to run it. Um, and in this space, it's even more important because in you are in you have to be in a local market. You have to be within 15 miles or whatever, 10 to 15 miles of your customer so that you can make the delivery. You have to make sure that your selection is hyper-local and hyper-relevant. Second is your pricing. The customers cannot feel that they are paying way more for your service. So you have to make sure that you are operating efficiently. And then the convenience of ordering it cannot be extremely high. So Mm -hmm. if you put these three things together, you have to run a very efficient supply chain. Right now, all of them are losing money because they are trying to gain share. But eventually, the company that does it right operationally is the one that is going to succeed. Well, and what we haven't talked about either is how they're hiring for these, these, um, d- delivery drivers. I mean, get is hiring, they're giving full benefits and hiring employees and that, you know, they're one of the few that's doing that in this instant delivery space. So that goes into the operations too. How are you going to have, especially right now, the staff to support these 10 minute deliveries too. So I think, I think that's a great point. It's a great point. Um, well, we're going to go into our last headline talking about another instant delivery provider. GoPuff announced this week that eligible chase credit card members will receive a $10 statement credit each month that they make a GoPuff purchase. Insane. You heard that right. Free money, free money. Woo. 
Uh, GoPuff customers who add an eligible Chase credit card as their default payment on their GoPuff account, Chris, they automatically receive that credit. And it has a potential value of, obviously, if you do the math, 10 times 12, $120 over 12 months. That's a lot of like Cheetos, man. That's amazing. I mean, basically, I can get 120 bucks for ordering a Twix bar every month. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to do that anyway. So just give me $120 now. Exactly. Exactly. Avanov, let's go to you first here uh, for the quick take on this one. Yeah, I think it's a good idea from their part. What they are the number one in this space in U.S. and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and by far. And the way they have gotten there is just customer acquisition. And yep. as I said earlier, uh, operations is going to be the key, but also volume. Yeah. And so, yes, they are bleeding money at the moment, but they have a war chest of whatever, I think 3.4 billion, four, whatever, some insane, insane number of funding. Yeah. Uh, so they have the cash to burn. Uh, and so they are. this is another play of the many plays they have made in terms of just continue to acquiring customers. That's the play. Uh, but... Uh, they have to get there eventually the operations, right? If, if they can do that along with customer acquisition, they will win because they are so big right now compared to others. Yeah. Uh, and eventually a roll-up will happen. Uh, they will be in the best place, but operations is the key. I will go yeah. back to that point. For sure. For sure. Chris, what do you think about this? I, I mean, I, I, I'm just starting to, I'm just starting to buy into GoPuff as an idea, yeah. as a company is kind of the next is one of these next big companies that could change the landscape. I don't know why I don't have, like I've said this before on the podcast, I don't have anything to base that on, but I mean, I, I was, I, I got caught by surprise this week too, man, because I noticed that the former head of PR for the U S for Alibaba yeah. is now in charge of PR for GoPuff. Like she oh, yeah. left and like, that that signals something to Lots me that there's something in the water there, yes. here. Lots of good people have yeah. gone to GoPuff. There's a guy who's working at Target that works there now too. Yeah, chief marketing officer from Lowe's. Yeah, lots yeah. of sm- yeah. lots of smart people. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something in the water there, and I just I just can't get off it. And like when I hear you know Chad talking about too, like advising CPGs to invest in this, it just makes sense. Abhinav, you want to say something else? Yeah, I I also wanted to say in terms of competition, uh, the names that I mentioned in the quick commerce space. Uh, or 15 minute or less delivery, we also have to think about some non-traditional competition that is going to come their way. Uh, so for example, you can think of DoorDash as a competition, right. correct? I mean, they don't 100%. have, they, yeah. they have launched a marketplace. So they are also yeah. in this space. 100%. Uh, Instacart is also kind of in this space. Yeah. Amazon is building its network like crazy. Eventually yeah. they will get here. Yeah. Uh, and so the they are a big thing but they have to be very careful because mo- models right. are getting disrupted all the while. And there is just insane amount of competition coming their way. Right. Yeah, no, right. I agree. Yeah. It's just, there's something about this that's captivating me with how they're approaching this in terms of what they're doing with the fulfillment centers. They're trying to get online, the volume they're pushing through really creative marketing scheme here as well. Like this is incredibly creative. Um, yeah. Probably doesn't cost them that much either. Yeah. I think um, the marketing point is is interesting because we saw Ship doing something similar with Visa not too long ago, where yeah. you got a free three month Ship membership when you have sign up with a Visa card. Yeah. I think this is a smart move too, as they expand beyond the urban core and into the burbs. Mm, like you've seen a lot of traditional angle. retailers going after BNPL in this space to like get more of the younger demographic. I think this is like mm. GoPuff trying to bring in the older, the boomers, the suburban families into this because they have chase cards like that's going to be their like move to try to get them onto the platform but chad let's hear your your last comments here to close 
Well, so I think you just called me old or at least very <laughs> suburban because while Gatier was not in my delivery zone. It's not delivering I, to anybody, anyone on this yeah. show, Chad. Don't, but, you're not alone. But I, but I do have a chase card. So like, okay, so if I, me? you know, if I, if I, if I, I, I do in fact. And so if I'm a chase card holder, like, do I, do I use GoPuff as a result of this? Like for you 10 sure bucks do. a month? Like, of course I'm trying it. Yeah, right? nice. Like the, average, the average GoPuff order is, uh, last I saw about 18 to $23, right? Yep. So if I order less a month, once a month, you're talking 50% off and 25% if your frequency is twice a month, like you need a lot of orders to get down to typical credit card point, you know, right. type. So, so great consumer value there. And, and I agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, I think these partnerships are really interesting and and creative folks like GoPuff looking at new ways of, of funding customer acquisition and trial. So yeah, I'm in. Excellent. You're in, okay. All right, you guys, that's the headlines for the week. Let's go to the lightning round. Uh, let's go to question number one. Chad, you're first. Harry Styles announced this week he's debuting Pleasing, a new shape-shifting beauty collection. What is your favorite Harry Styles song? Um, <laughs> it's not exactly my, my genre here. I feel oh. like you guys are... I feel like I'm surprised Chris didn't ask me this. I feel like you're trying to get back at me. <laughs> no, this is all Bone Thugs in Harmony the other day. That's right. That's right. Let's see. So if memory serves, so my daughter, I have a 13-year-old daughter, she sings watermelon sugar a lot. Is that Harry <laughs> yeah. Styles? That's a that's Harry Styles. It's a it's one, one of the all it's right. been on the charts for a long time. Uh so yes, you won that one. Watermelon sugar. Yes, that's Chad's right. going with watermelon sugar. All right, let's go to question two. Reports this week out of CNBC are that we should expect a Christmas tree shortage. So question to you, Abhinav, what do you like better, a real Douglas fir or a fake plastic tree? Low maintenance, fake plastic tree. Yes. And great radio head. Totally song. agree. Totally. Yeah. Is, that yeah. a, is that a radio yeah. head? Song? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Face plastic. See, that's a real music reference, yes. not Harry Styles. Face <laughs> plastic tree is a, is a song. Wow. Oh, okay. God. It's a great song. Okay. Great song. All right. Question number four is for both of you. Retail Dive reported that Kmart is closing its last store in the state of Michigan. Chad, let's start with you. Please tell us your favorite and most fond Kmart memory. <laughs> oh, so many to choose from. And um, I'm fairly certain I've sat on a Kmart Santa's lap before. Okay. Uh, wow. so Are you okay, Chad? Do we well, need I was going to say, it was probably the only one where I was in tears in the picture. <laughs> um, but yes, I guess that's got to be it. Kmart Santa. All right. Avanov, what about you? Uh, my most distinct memory is on third day in 2001, after landing in U.S., uh, I went to a Kmart and bought Martha Stewart plates to oh, its yes. for my kitchen. Wow. Fantastic. Do you remember the pattern? I'm curious. Uh, it was white with some blue, uh, blue squares around the edges. Oh, um, okay. That's I had good. them for a very long time. But yeah. 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 Hey, Martha Stewart, she does great stuff. You yeah. Know? Very Martha Both Stewart. Both legal and illegal stuff. But <laughs> okay. anyway, she's always making the, making the rounds. All right. Well, that closes us up. Happy birthday today to Owen Wilson. Delroy Lindo and the always lovely Linda oh. Evans of Dynasty fame. Yeah, see, I got that reference. Yes. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And it's all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. 
Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to our podcast or on YouTube. Chad and Abinoff, if people want to get in touch with you guys, connect with you, liked what they heard today, what's the best way for them to do that? So you can always learn more about ANMCRG at our uh, new website, uh, alvarezandmarsal-crg.com. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly either by LinkedIn. So Chad Lusk, L-U-S-K, uh, or my email, uh, C-L-U-S-K, that's Klusk, at alvarezandmarsal.com. And Abhinav, how about you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on the website that Chad just referenced. You can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Abhinav Chandra, or you can email me at achandra at alvarezandmarsal.com. Achandra is A-C-H-A-N-D-R-A. Awesome. All right, there you have it, folks. Chad, Abhinav, thanks for sticking with us today. That was a blast. We covered a lot of ground today on that podcast. A lot of interesting stuff that I thought got raised in this podcast. One of my favorites. All right, for everyone listening out there, I say it every week, we're heading into the holidays. Be careful out there. The Yummy Talk Fast Five is brought to you with the help and support of the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And finally, Attentive. See why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage consumers and drive revenue. Visit attentivemobile.com forward slash Omnitalk to request your demo today.